Today, we're going to take a look at one of the obscure people in Scripture. And, and to me, the nobodies of the Bible are just some of the most fun people out there, right? We read by them so quick, we hardly even recognize who they were. But today, we're going to meet one of those folks. And when I say obscure, here's a guy in Scripture who gets, and, and I think I'm stretching it. I think I'm being graceful here, okay? He gets about 20 verses of Scripture. That's it. His whole story is about 20 verses long, and, and to make matters even worse, it's not contained in one paragraph. There's a little bit of him here, a little bit of him over there, a, a little, uh, you know, before us and behind us in Scripture, and yet his story is absolutely epic. It's epic because it is tragic in the beginning, and it's also epic because at the end, it's absolutely glorious, all right? But here's your warning. The way this guy starts off in Scripture, he looks like nothing more than an extra in a movie, okay? So get ready for a guy who in the beginning is like a piece of stage furniture, okay? Just, you're barely going to recognize him, so listen up. A few verses, uh, three verses. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. says, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Acts 12, 25, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Acts 13, 5, when they arrived at Salimus, they proclaimed the Word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So here is this guy in Scripture, okay, and, and, and I know I had to point him out to you, right, because um, we could miss him. This guy named John Mark. So let me give you a, just a little bit of history on him. Here's his backstory. John Mark is a young man um, right after the time of Jesus Christ, actually during the time of Jesus Christ for a little bit, and he is from a very well-to-do Christian family, okay? So his family has some means. Now, he is the cousin of somebody we already know. He's the cousin of Barnabas. Y'all remember Barnabas? the encourager, right? The guy, we all want to be friends with Barnabas. Full of faith, full of the Spirit, turns your day, you know, if, it, if you're down, you know, he's going to turn that upside down and make it great. He's connected to this Barnabas. Now, his mother has already got a pretty good track record. She's already really rising up in the church. Um, she, she is a woman who hosts prayer meetings in her home, all right? prayer for a, for a lot of the leadership in the church. This is part of the way we know they're well-to-do. Back then, houses are pretty small. This woman's got a house big enough to host a whole lot of people. Now, her house also, besides being a place for prayer gatherings, it's also a spiritual refuge for the church, all right? So if any of you have ever studied Harriet Tubman, um, golly, even the Great Dismal Swamp, Underground Railroad, her house is kind of like a, a house in the Underground, underground Railroad. And think about it, even Peter, do you remember when Peter was miraculously delivered from prison? Where's the first place he runs? He runs to John Mark's house, right, to, to, to this woman Mary, his mother. And so, so we've got this little bit about John Mark. The other thing we know about him is that he is a young disciple in training. Now, I don't know chronologically how old John Mark is, but spiritually, he is a young disciple in training. And so what we get from these few, few verses is he has gone along with Barnabas and, and with Paul on their very first mission trips together. But here's where it gets kind of humbling. John Mark has gone along on these trips as kind of like an assistant, right? Actually, that's exactly what Luke says. He's an assistant. Now, here's what an assistant is in Scripture. 
An assistant is kind of like a roadie, right? A roadie for the band. He's carrying the equipment. You know, an assistant is kind of like a gopher. Paul needs a cup of coffee. Well, guess who's going to go get it? It's going to be John Mark. But, but assistants back then, they also chronicled the journey. You know, do you ever wonder, how does Luke have all these fantastic notes? There was someone like John Mark always transcribing where they were, how many people got saved, stops along the way. So, so he's doing all this, but with John Mark so far in Scripture, what he is at best is he is an understudy, okay? You got the guys on the stage? That's not, not John Mark. He is the actor in waiting. He is not ready for prime time. He's just a disciple, all a, a background figure. But then suddenly, he bursts into prominence, and it starts in Acts 13, 13. Listen to this. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John Mark left them to return to Jerusalem. Here's where this guy's story really takes off. And all of you are sitting there going, okay, I missed something. Uh, that, that, that doesn't sound real remarkable. In fact, Luke writes about John Mark's departure so quickly and so plainly, whatever just happened there didn't even register with me, you know? We read this and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, so-and-so took off and these guys continued with this great big God journey. It's only when we get to Acts 15 that we realize that when John Mark left, something bad happened. Something went down, all right? Let me read this to you. Acts 15, 36 through 38. Sometime later, probably a few months, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we've preached, and let's see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them, but Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in the work. So we go from, oh, so-and-so disappeared to, uh-oh, better call Mako because we had a major accident. We didn't even see it, right? Something really tragic happened here, and what, what, what tragically happened is that John Mark didn't leave to go home. He didn't go off to buy groceries. It wasn't that, you know, his itinerary said, okay, this is when you depart. John Mark bailed out on Paul and Barnabas. Military people, he went AWOL, right? Absent without leave. He took off on them. He abandoned them. And we don't know whether John Mark packed up all of his stuff right in front of them and stormed out. We don't know if the guy snuck out, but what we do know is this. He left them unexpectedly, and, and it's not okay. It's obviously not okay with, with, with Paul here. And so we start asking the question, well, what happened? Why did he leave? And unfortunately, Luke doesn't tell us exactly what happened. But it's not too hard to figure out what went down here. Now, for the record, before I tell you what I think happened, there are about a million guesses when you look in commentaries as to what happened here, why, why he left. But there are three solid theories. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a friend to you today, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the million. No, I'm not going to give you the million guesses. I'm going to give you the three theories. So why did John Mark leave? Theory number one, the mission was just too difficult for John Mark. If you've ever been out of the mission field, right, Phil? You know this. I mean, it ain't always easy. 
And so for John Mark, I mean, he, he just comes to the conclusion one day, look, you know, here we are, you know, traveling to Cyprus, Pamphylia, Salimus, day after day after day, town after town, never putting down any roots, never becoming a part of the community, never getting to know anyone, and especially if this guy's a young man, you know, I mean, it could be the ladies. I don't know. He, he's just sick of being on the road. He's tired of it. So for him, it's difficult. And you also have the life of Jesus in contrast. He's looking at this going, you know, when I hear about Jesus, when I remember back to Jesus, it was miracle after miracle, moment after moment. Well, on our journey, it's not all miracles. It's not all adoring fans. We're crossing seas. We're trudging here and there. We never know what's for dinner. I told Paul I wanted an Olympus camera. I didn't mean I wanted to climb Mount Olympus. I'm sick of this. Too difficult. I did not sign up for this. And so he leaves. Theory number two, the mission is too dangerous. He looks up and says, you know, we, we a lot of scary people out here. Never know who or what is around the corner. We're living in an age of persecution. Persecution was, you know, great when we were praying about it and we weren't facing it, but here we are. This is scary stuff. It's really dangerous. It's always right around the corner. I miss home. I miss home where it's predictable. It's safe. It's familiar. Or theory number three, which is my favorite, is the mission is too demeaning. In other words... John Mark looks up and says, you know what? How many of us are there on this trip? Last count, there were three, right? Whose names are up in lights everywhere we go? Paul and Barnabas, one night only. Everything looks right. Paul and Barnabas, with special guest. I'm sick of being the special guest. I'm sick of being in the background. And if you watch Luke, how he's writing this, it's, it's even moving away from uh, Barnabas and Paul to Paul and Barnabas, even in this chapter, it's Paul and his companions. Even my cousin is getting cut out of this. I've had it. I've had enough. So what John Mark does is he packs up his offense, right, along with his toys, and John Mark, he takes off. On a whim, he bolts on these, these two companions. And look, I know an assistant doesn't sound glorious, but if you've ever had an assistant, has anyone ever been or had an assistant? That is a very valuable job because him doing what he's called to do allows those two guys to do what they're supposed to do. It's a really important job that he's walking out on. Well, not anymore because Mike drop, he's out of here. See you, John Mark is gone. He's gone just like that. And I'll tell you this, it is a hassle. This situation is a hassle for, for Paul and Barnabas because of the loss of an assistant. But we have to understand for John Mark, this isn't a hassle, this is dangerous. In this moment, what John Mark is doing is he is acting like an enemy of God. Now, let, let, me, let me tell you what I mean by that. If you think about it, John Mark has been saved by Jesus Christ. He has been filled with the Holy Spirit. God has called him into leadership, and I, I know he's not at the top of the leadership food chain, but he's coming up. He is on his way up. God has called him. God is preparing him for something great. This is a key moment in salvation history, but now John Mark, he walks out on everybody, and now when I say everyone, I mean he walks out on God. He walks out on the guys here. 
Folks, this is not a good place to be. We have to understand John Mark spiritually. This guy's in some real trouble. This is the danger zone, okay, or at least Top Gun, the highway to the danger zone. This, this, this guy is, is about to be in trouble. And so we go back now to Paul and Barnabas, and they're still in the middle of this passage in Acts 15, 39, and here's what happens next. They had such a sharp disagreement, Paul and Barnabas, that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, and he sailed off for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. So when we're dealing with just Paul and Barnabas, look at what's happening with these guys. They go from tension to confrontation to debate to outright division. Because Barnabas suggests they take Mark with them, and Paul is not having it. And I want you to know where these guys are coming from. Think about Barnabas. Barnabas, again, by nature, he is an encourager. He is a grace giver, man. He's one of those people, he's so ready to forgive. The thing hadn't even happened yet, and he's already forgiven for it. He's just a heart full of love for people, right? So he says something to Paul like, look, Paul, every day, brother, we go around from town to town on all these mission trips. We meet all these different people who are lost, and what we preach to them is we preach forgiveness. We tell them that God is a God of second chances. And now here you are with John Mark who's blown it. Paul, don't be a hypocrite in this moment. Cut this kid some slack. You got to give John Mark a second chance. And by the way, John Mark is my cousin, so I'd appreciate if you cut me some slack because my family's watching, you know, something like that. And see what Barnabas is doing, and it's so beautiful. Barnabas is keeping the person in view, right? For Barnabas, it's not like, well, the mission is the only thing that matters. He sees the individual. He sees a lost sheep. He sees a guy who's really in trouble. So he looks at John Mark, and he goes, man, this kid, he's on, he's on a road to nowhere. He's on a road to nowhere fast, spiritually speaking. And someone, Paul, someone has got to put their arm around this guy. Someone's got to mentor him. Someone's got to disciple John Mark. And I'll tell you this, looking at Barnabas, keeping a lost sheep in view is very wise. It's very godly. Barnabas has got an awesome point, does he not? Good, I agree with you. I think you're exactly right about that. So, but, but see, Paul's take on the situation is very different. Paul's got something else in view. What Paul has in view is the mission. Paul won't lose sight of the mission. And so he answers back saying something like, look, Barnabas, I hear what you're saying about John Mark, but desertion, is in, it, it's very serious. Major trust has been broken here. I know he's your cousin. I like him too, but you know what's wrong with John Mark? It's called a character defect. This, to walk out like that, it's a character flaw. And you don't snap out of a character flaw overnight. I'm not saying we never forgive him. I'm not saying we never restore the guy. But right now, he's not ready and he can't go. And so what Paul is doing with, with the mission in view is that he's remembering God has called them to do something right now with a single focus. Paul is holding on to that. And you know what? Keeping the mission in view is very wise. It's very godly. Paul's got a great point, does he not? Now, if you're, if, if you're kind of seeing the subtext text here, it's that perspective is very powerful. Have you ever been in a situation before where you and somebody are at odds 
Well, sometimes it's for a very real reason, and one is clearly right and clearly wrong. So many times, though, it's this kind of a situation. From where you're looking at it, and from where they're looking at it, man, both people have got a pretty good point. Both people are being pretty godly. This is one of those situations. So they both really are right from where they're standing, and the problem in this moment is that neither one of them is budging. And so between Paul and Barnabas, two of the heroes of the faith, their conversation gets so heated, they split up, they part ways, and what Paul does is he continues on the journey with a new ministry partner, Silas, let's go. And and these two go off, and they do some really amazing things for God. They change a whole lot of lives. And then Barnabas, what he does is he puts his arm around John Mark, and they sail for Cyprus, which is home, okay? So he takes him back home, and Barnabas goes to work on John Mark's character, on his manhood, on this whole issue of keeping your word and following through and just helping this guy to grow up in Jesus, So there's some real good that comes out of it, but for the moment, it is a very still bitter situation. And if you've ever heard this preached before, I don't love it when preachers do this, but I always kind of laugh when they do this. We try to keep the people of Scripture very disinfected and perfect, you know, and it's like, oh, they can never do anything wrong, you know? They really had a Superman cape on. Oh, how could Paul or… These guys were human. it's, It's an ugly little moment here, but the story is not finished. Listen to Paul's words about John Mark later on, okay? Many months later, uh, many years later, we find Paul saying these things about the same John Mark later in the New Testament. And this will shock you, so get ready. Colossians 4.10, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends his greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. If he comes to you, welcome him. Did you just did you put that together? Here's another one. Philemon, 23 and 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, he sends you his greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow prisoners. And then 2 Timothy 4.11, the crowning jewel of John Mark's later life. Only Luke is with me, writes Paul. So get Mark and bring him with you because he now is very helpful to be in my ministry. Do do you see what's happened in John Mark's life? Do you see that his story doesn't end with a failure? You know, he he slinks off into the sunset and, you know, he goes his own way. He has a glorious end. John Mark becomes a man. He matures in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what happened to him. His name has a spiritual meaning. John Mark's name means God is gracious. So guess what John Mark ran into? He ran into the grace of God in his life. He ran into the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God. He, after his mistake, so much so that in the end, he's redeemed. He's restored. This guy is back in action. He's building the kingdom of God. He's together with Paul. the the, the leader of this movement. In other words, he becomes a real player in the kingdom of God. That's what happens in John Mark's life. Isn't that great? I mean, what a story. So listen, if you were listening to Nancy earlier about this word on, on shame and condemnation, that's why we don't want to live the rest of our lives there, because with God, there is glory on the other side. There is growth. 
Your story doesn't ever have to end with your failure. Never in the kingdom of God. It's one of the things I love so much about the Lord, about Jesus, about the work of the Holy Spirit. You're never done. So when someone looks at you and goes, ah, put a fork in you, you're done, man, just look up and go, no, in Jesus' name, no. Absolutely not. So here, for us, let me go ahead and not lose sight of my notes, actually. All of this today, all of this applies to us. I work with a, with, a, with a great staff. I love all of them. But you know what? We are human beings. There are times as Christians, as staff people, that we don't always agree on everything. You know that? That there are times that we even fall out. It happens between all kinds of Christians. In a moment like that, we can look at, at a simple situation like this, and we can learn so much from a Paul and a Barnabas and how they handle their conflict. One of the things I love so much about both of these men here, I know they break up for a little bit. That's tough, but I love their honesty in dealing with the conflict. You know, so often in, in Christianity, we feel like, you know, well, if I'm a good Christian, I will never say a crossword. I'll never get upset. I'll, you know, sometimes we've got to deal with stuff. These guys are honest. They share their opinions with one another. I love with Paul and Barnabas that they don't settle for cheap peace. They don't do it. Instead, both of them. They say, look, man, I just got this inner witness. Paul, I got this inner witness of the Holy Spirit. I got to stay on the mission. Barnabas, I got this inner witness of the Holy Spirit that I've got to put my arms around Barnabas. These guys hold on to what is right. They do what is right in the eyes of God. They give God time as they do their Does God do his work? Absolutely. Look at John Mark. God does it. Paul and Barnabas also, both of them. Here's something else they do, and it's subtle. But both of them, as they continue, as they walk forward, they both keep the cross of Jesus Christ in view. They both never lose sight of the cross in their ministry. I mean, both of us demonstrate to us, they firmly believe the cross is where forgiveness happens. The cross is where people get restored. The cross is where we experience the love of God. We see that with with Barnabas right along, you know, right at the very beginning as he walks off with John Mark. We see that later with Paul as he says, man, come on back in the church. Come on back into ministry. No, I'm not going to make you jump through nine hoops and flog you for 10 days. Come on back in. You're ready. Come on. And what you see with John Mark is that he is better than he ever was before because of restoration and reconciliation. And what makes this tale so heroic and so epic to me is when you stop to consider one little fact. During this time in the church's life, there are only three spiritual heavyweights, okay? Now, the church will grow. You'll see more leadership come along. But there are three big timers in the church in this moment that are leaving the church, leading the church, not leaving. Um, One is Peter, right? Okay, agreement there. Another one's Paul. Another one is Barnabas. So these are your three biggies, right? This is your front row. How many of them does it take to restore this lost sheep? It takes two out of the three. It takes two out of the three to rescue John Mark. Barnabas to extend grace, immediate forgiveness and healing, and then Paul to hold the line and say, no, no, not yet, but when the time is right to welcome him back. It takes two godly, big-time believers, leaders in the church to restore a lost brother. I know it sounds like a sideline, but to me, I just can't get over that for some reason. So here's where it really hits home, I believe, for us. Our world today 
is full of John Marks. Would anyone like to argue that point? We got a lot of John Marks in the, in the world. Some of us have been John Mark before, have we not, okay? I was, I was John Mark Steve Keller for quite a while in my life, you know? Some of us might be a John Mark right now. I want you to know this about John Mark. Every John Mark needs a Paul and a Barnabas in their life. It is not okay for John Mark to walk away and disappear and, oh, well, you know, I guess they're gone. Yeah. I, prayer, ministry, everything, every John Mark needs a Paul and a Barnabas. And brothers and sisters, that's where you and I come in. That's where we come in. We are God's rescue team in the lives of people. We really are. We are throwing lifelines. You know, those big uh, floaty rings, we are throwing those to people. That's our call to dying people, to lost people. We are meant to be a rescue team for people who have become enemies of God, bailed out, walked away, gotten frustrated, sick of the church. And there's a million different excuses. Sometimes they're valid, but just, they've just given up and walked away. We are meant, church, to take all of this love, okay, all of this love. You ever had a quiet time in the morning, you and God praying? reading the Word of God. Maybe you do it with your spouse like I do, and you just feel the love of God. Yeah, has that ever happened to you? Man, God just meets you in your space. You're just hanging out. You know, it's going to be normal to you. God just floods you with love. In worship, today for me, oh my gosh, I, it, it was a chill bump factory for me all the way through worship. It's the love of God, just experiencing that during prayer, worship through that dance. Oh my goodness. We are meant to drink in the love of God. We are meant to experience the love of God. We're meant to be, I've used this before, SpongeBob's, okay? Soaking up the love of God. An empty pitcher being filled up with the love of God. I could go on and on, but you get my point. We're supposed to just get socked with the love of God. It's our destiny, right? It's who we are. I mean, even if we get a little silly with the love of God, it doesn't matter. We're meant to be filled with the love and the joy of God. What I want you to know today is all of that is for a reason. For your edification, absolutely. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. But it's meant for them too. They're meant, we are meant to go to them with that stuff. The love, the joy, the kindness, the forgiveness of God. We're meant to go into the danger zone. We're meant to rescue them with the love of God. And so my question for all of us today, me especially, okay, I always preach to myself first and usually later on, but the, but the question for us today is right now in your life, who is John Mark? Who fits John Mark's description? It'd be kind of ironic if his name was John Mark, but, and, and the question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about the John Marks in our life, in our world? How can we put our arm around them? How can we love them back to the light of Jesus Christ? What truth, like Paul and Barnabas here, what truth do we need to speak to them about their situation? What truths do we need to share with them about the love, the forgiveness, the freedom of God that's just waiting for them? I tell you this, one of the most unloving things that a believer can do is to watch somebody die, and it happens all the time. So how do we take that love? How do we get into the action in their lives? 
And I know sometimes, you know, we, we think about that. We identify our John Mark, and then we look up and go, but you know, Steve, this all seems kind of scary and impossible. And when I actually think about crossing the picket fence, well, there'd be a gate there. When I think about going through the picket fence to that neighbor, when I think about going to, to that child who's a prodigal, when I think about going, you know, to, to whoever it is, it feels scary. All you got to do in that case is just look at John Mark. Let John Mark be your example. Look at what happened to this guy because someone dared to love enough. He's here as an image, an example, a trophy. Use this restored and shiny and effective John Mark as an example of the life that is just waiting if we get involved in the game. We move toward them in their life. You see, the bottom line is this, what a difference Paul and Barnabas made. What a difference we can make in a life with intentional love, with compassion, kindness, and strength. These guys loved this guy enough not to let him run away. And church, that's us. We've got to pick them up when they fall. We've got to love them towards wholeness. Got to get them back in action. We've got to do that. All right, let me pray for us today. And I want to invite as I do this, because this will be a bit of a personal prayer for many of us today. Prayer people, if y'all will come up, uh, any of you that are here, you can pray where you are today. But some of us need to walk up here. We need to bring our John Marks. And we, we need to pray over those folks with somebody. We need someone to agree with us in prayer in their lives. Some of us might be a John Mark today. You might just want to come on up here. I just go ahead and tell you, today is the day of salvation. We always, when is that today? It's today, all right? Today's the day to do business. So let me, let me just lead us in prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and adore you. And Father, I am so thankful for the ministry of reconciliation that you have given the church. God, we're not called just to preach at a distance into people's lives. Lord, we are called to get down there in the muck and the mire like Brian and, and, and Mark did uh, literally yesterday, but in people's lives like that. And so, Father, right now, I just want to pray for every John Mark. Just start there. I pray for those who have walked away. Lord, those who, who may have said, hey, this is too difficult. This is too demeaning. This is too dangerous. Lord, maybe they, they made it one of the gravest mistakes that is so common today. They just got mad at the church. Maybe mad at a, at, at a preacher or a pastor who in some ways could have deserved it, got offended with someone in the church of Jesus Christ. Maybe they just fell into sin. Father, I thank you today for forgiveness. I thank you for grace. I thank you that you are the God of a second chance. Lord, you are the father in the story of the prodigal son. You are always waiting for us, calling us. And Lord, your heart is forgiveness. Your heart is resurrection. And so today, if that's you and you're in this place and you have walked away, your Papa God loves you so much. And maybe that word Nancy had earlier was for you, just in Jesus' name, get over the shame. In Jesus' name, get over the darkness. Your Father loves you. He sees you as beautiful. He wants you to know what it means to be a child of God, so receive forgiveness today in the name of Jesus. It was already given on the cross for your situation. 
And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, every one of us has had a chance to be a Paul and a Barnabas. And, and, and we, we've pulled the ripcord and we've not done it. We've all bailed out at a certain point. But Father, I thank you that still you call us with open arms to step up, to just move forward, to love people. And so I pray for everyone in this room, every member of KPC, every person who's a part of us in any way, Father, in Jesus' name today, would you give us eyes that see the strays. Holy Spirit, just help us to see in the name of Jesus who is hurting, whose smile isn't real, who's putting on a show. God, give us the ability, that prophetic ability to see who a person is and that moment that's ours to step into in Jesus' name. God, give us a heart of compassion. God, I ask you to break our hearts for the lost. God, help us to care, and Lord, give us courage in Jesus' name. Give us the courage of a lion to go intentionally with the amazing news of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that as we do this as a church, that answer to the question people are asking today, where is the power of God? It's right there. It's right there in that moment. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are just waiting to do more than we could ever think, imagine, put together on our best day. Today, Lord, we rejoice in you. We thank you. We bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.